fasten your seat belts. I'm taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Go get him, kid. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. Not a tumor at all. If you're going to ask me. So you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me. And my natural response could be to get offended. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week. 30 years in the making. It's the 30-something movie podcast. I am your host, John Reed. You are with us here for episode 407, Universal Soldier. I have with me Patrick Canagallo. Pat, how's it going? Great, John. How you doing? I am doing excellent, sir. Excellent. And then Bo Warmbold. Yo. Yo. Bo, how's it going? I'm doing quite well, John. Yourself? Good. I am doing fine. I'm doing fine. Excellent. Uh, we're we're going to talk Universal Soldier. As we should. One of those movies that I've said before I have seen an inappropriate number of times. <laughs> and at an inappropriate young age, perhaps? Probably. Probably. Yeah. Uh, this is the one. I, I think I've mentioned before, this is the one that I saw at the, was it the fifth grade sleepover party where I also was introduced to Army of Darkness. Well, that's quite the double feature. Uh-huh. I, I might be jealous uh-huh. of that. That is a double feature of epic proportions. That was the that was Indeed. the that was the fifth grade sleepover party that was uh, Pizza Hut, Street Fighter Two Turbo, Army of Darkness, and Universal Soldier. So, so sure. who do you play? Who do you play on Street Fighter Two? Uh, who do I play? Who was my my go to? I think at the time my go to was Blanca. Solid choice, man. But I, I was very much a button masher, so Chun Li was always a good option. Mm, all right, because you could just stand there and kick. Yeah. What about you, Bo? Wow, that's tough. I have to look at the list again. It might remind me some. Johnny Cage. Am I thinking of the right game? Sorry, oh. it was breaking up oh. there, Bo. Can you repeat? Please, baby. <laughs> Trying to help you out. His, yeah, I'm not, am I? Um, his finishing move was the wax on. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm checking again. It's been a long time. Mm. I just so, My, sometimes I I have like the the phrase just because I heard it so many times <laughs> growing up. I every once in a while will hear like yoga flame, yoga flame. <laughs> Bison. I liked Bison. Oh, and Bison. Bison. Yeah. Nice. Johnny nice. Cage was Mortal Kombat. That's what it was. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah, Bison. I remember I remember laughing through the whole movie at Raul Julia's portrayal of him. Mm-hmm. My my problem with Street Fighter 2 is I never learned all the combinations. Yeah, you know well, what I'm saying? You know, and you that was when the, that was when those games got hard. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. you did. You had to do all the stuff. And, and yeah, I wasn't that good at it. I will say Mortal Kombat, you could still just do punches and kicks. Like you could get by 
a reasonable amount just doing jumping, punching, kicking, blacking. Oh, that's pretty you much know what all I'm saying? I did. Yeah. Yeah. And then you would kind of get the moves down. Street Fighter, you had to get those combinations, and I just never had them. So that's one of the things, much like seventh grade math, one of the things that in adulthood I'd like to make sure to do. Mm-hmm. I understood there would be no math. Yes. I pulled out uh, I pulled out the old Sega Genesis the other day. Before we got the Switch, I plugged the Sega Genesis in when it was video game day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I put in Mortal Kombat, entered the blood code. And then I'm like, oh, I remember... I wonder what the blood code was, man. I wish I remembered that. And then it's like, wait a minute, I got a time machine. I can just go back 10 minutes early and warn him. So I looked it up on the Google, put in the blood code and I started playing and my kids were sitting there and they were on like a zoom call with their cousins and playing their whatever video games and stuff. And all of a sudden they looked up and I was sub zero and I was like pulling dudes, spinal columns out and everything. And they're all like, dad, that's disgusting. That is disturbed. Dad, what are you doing? And Tammy's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I, and Dominic's like, like, and I was the same age. Dude, this is awesome. And he's just like, ah. And then, and then uh, my nieces were like, what's Uncle Patrick doing? And he thought, was like, he's pulling people's heads off with their spinal cords. <laughs> and I hear my brother-in-law going, yeah, Mortal Kombat, that's awesome. And the kids are like, oh, that's disgusting. Turn that off. They were like totally horrified by Mortal Kombat. And I'm like, that's, that's pretty funny. Finish and him. you're like, good, damn it. Let's be horrified. That's, this is dad's that's right. game. Mm-hmm. That's right, man. That's right. Oh, man. And then you think about it for a minute. You're like, man, I was that old when I was playing this, doing this. And mm-hmm. hmm, well, what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's not, there's I, not I don't, much. I don't want you playing Fortnite. That's violent. Right. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, and it's funny because well, going back, back to our Patriot Games discussion. Fatality. It's funny be- because I, I read it. I was reading that book and the levels of violence that they describe in that book. And I was in fifth or sixth grade reading that stuff. You know what I'm saying? And I uh, still think there is a difference and plenty of people will tell me I'm full of crap and whatever. You're full of crap. I still think there's a difference between written violence and visual violence. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think your brain has to fill in so much that it just doesn't land the same way. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Very true. All right, gents. We've got some Universal Soldier to talk about. Are are your souls prepared? (laughs) My unisouls are prepared. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Yes, that's the correct response. That's why you're here, Bo. I knew there had to be a reason. <laughs> Bo, Bo won the podcast. There we go. All right. Universal Soldier. This movie came out on the 10th of July, 1992. Rated R with a runtime of one hour and 42 minutes. Directed by Roland Emmerich, who also did Stargate, Independence Day, and The Day After Tomorrow. Writers for this one were Richard Rothstein, who died in 2018. And then also Christopher Leach and Dean Devlin. Rothstein did Rothstein and Leach did a TV series called The Hitchhiker. Devlin did Independence Day. Producer for this one, Craig Baumgarten, Joel B. Michaels, and Alan Shapiro. Baumgarten did Shattered Glass, Never Back Down. Michaels did Stargate and Terminator Salvation. Let's see. Shapiro did The Quick and the Dead and Air America. Music for this one done by Christopher Frank. Did The Amazing Race and Babylon 5. Cinematography by Carl Walter Lindenlaub who did Independence Day and Stargate. Editor was Michael J. Duffy, who did Pandorum and Stargate. 
Budget was $23 million, box office $95 million. Flick metrics, I think I mentioned this on our Patreon episode, have not been able to get flick metrics to work lately, so I'm not sure what the score was on there, but Cinema Score gives this one a B. Jean-Claude Van Damme played Luke Devereaux, or GR44. He was in Double Impact and Double Team. A lot of, a lot of doubles there. Mixed Doubles, I believe, is when he, when he plays tennis. He plays Mixed Doubles because of all of his double movies. Dolph Lundgren was Andrew Scott, or GR13. He was in Rocky IV and Masters of the Universe. Allie Walker played Veronica Roberts. She was in the TV series Profiler and the movie While You Were Sleeping. Ed O'Ross plays Colonel Perry. He was in Red Heat and Dick Tracy. Jerry Orbach, who died in 2004, played Dr. Christopher Greger. He was in Dirty Dancing and Law and & Order. Leon Rippey played Woodward. He was in Stargate and the TV series Deadwood. Tycho Wells played Garth. He was in The Relic and the TV series Bones. Ralph Muller played GR76. He was in Gladiator and Cyborg. Robert Trevor played the motel owner. He was in the TV series Hercules and the movie Raise Your Voice. And Tom Lister, Tiny Lister Jr., Tom Tiny Lister Jr., who died in 2020, played GR55. He was in The Dark Knight, and he was also in No Holds Barred. During the Vietnam War, soldier Luke Devereaux finds that his superior officer, Andrew Scott, has turned violently deranged, and the two fight to the death. After their bodies are retrieved, they're placed into a secret program in which they're reanimated and trained to become unquestioning killing machines. While Devereaux and Scott initially have no memory of their former lives, glimpses of their past start to return, rekindling their intense conflict. It was a top-secret government project. Pack and ice. All of them. Designed to create the perfect soldier. No man would ever again have to die in the service of his country. Cryogenically preserved. Okay, guys. Memory clearance. Genetically enhanced. How's the picture? Pretty ugly. Very funny, very funny. Programmed to obey. They're at the tower. Okay, okay, here we go. Who are these guys? 30 hostages held inside the power station at the base of the structure. I said shut up! Go inside. Begin phase two. This marks the third successful mission for the Universal Soldier. But there was something they didn't count on. He's not responding. GR-44, do you read me? At the end of the mission, he became completely unresponsive. Inside the machine is a man. Do you really think the Pentagon would allow the regeneration of dead soldiers? Stop the girl. Shoot if you have to. And all it takes... Veronica Roberts, TNA. ...is one memory... Oh, you didn't do anything! ...to awaken him. Let's go! Hit it! Universal Soldier. What the hell did they do to you? Don't know. But I'm going to find out. One can't be controlled. Buckle up. The other cannot be stopped. This mission has been canceled. I'm giving the orders from now on. I'm gonna teach them all. Ultimate weapons of the future have declared war on each other. Jean-Claude Van Damme, Dolph Lundgren, Universal Soldier. Stop, that is an order.
So we've got some major moments in this movie. The first of our major moments, we start the movie off. Uh, actually, before that, I was going to comment really, really quickly. For a movie that's already a bit of a Terminator ripoff, hmm. did we catch the Terminator 2 music in the trailer? Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. going to make note, note of that. Yeah. That was... Uh... Hey, man, if it works, reuse it. Yeah. We've kind of commented, at least it works with this movie. We've commented on some of our movies lately that some of the trailer music and the way the trailers are kind of edited together, it doesn't quite tell the right story. It doesn't tell the story that we know the movie to be. At least this one fits. They're, they're, they're ripping it off from another movie that's very similar. And same production company, because I think this was a Carol Co. movie from the, the production studio, and that they also did Terminator. So that would make sense, but at least the trailer fits with the movie this time. Yes. So, so we start off in Vietnam, I believe it's 1969, back at the, in Vietnam, and the battle does not go well, Enterprise. Mm-mm. Things are uh, things are not going well in Vietnam. And uh, I don't know, I, I don't think ear necklaces were the style at the time. No, I think that would maybe pop on a on a psyche valve or send up some red flags with command. I mean, as as, as Pat has pointed out, I know nothing about the military, but <laughs> Pat is not. <laughs> Pat is a stretch. <laughs> um, I, so, so not not only are you putting words in my mouth, you're making me like <laughs> look like a jerk because it's implying that I do. So I love that you you know more about the military than I do. You got, you got, you got, it's like the double impact, the double, the, you got mm-hmm. the double roast in there. Yeah, I, I did. I, I really, I, I wrote that down. It's in my notes. So I had to, I had to get that in there. <laughs> I'm just telling you, but, but. I don't think the ear I, necklace is army issue is what I'm saying. I, I don't believe so. I don't think they give that out to everybody. But that is that, but that is a, is, it does seem to be a common trope in terms of when someone's gone like completely nuts, mm-hmm. Right. Because I want to say, like, well, even in Deep Space Nine, didn't like some of the wars didn't wasn't there a Klingon that had like a necklace of neck bones from one of their enemies <laughs> and one and yeah yeah and I I want to say there's other movies where that's that's happened too. Yeah, I was trying to remember if there's like if there's like in other movies I don't know if somebody has like a necklace with other body parts on it or yeah i was was trying to remember i have i don't want to ruin the batman for anybody who hasn't seen it yet but there is a funny funny bit with a body part in that movie all right have you guys both seen the batman yet i have not so i can do you guys want to talk about it and i can no no no, no. i I won't spoil it for you it's it's too much yeah let's just say that the moment that i'm thinking of i've seen the movie twice now both in the movie theater I laughed, and it's not a, it's a funny moment. I laughed out loud and maybe too loud both times I saw the movie <laughs> when, when, this scene oh, takes, when this scene takes place. So when you see it, Pat, I'm sure you will know and understand. Got it. Yeah. It's on HBO now, so you can get your HBO and then go watch it. Oh, there you go. You should go see it in the theater, though. It's a, it's a theater, theater-worthy movie. All Indeed. right. So. But gotcha. yes, so the ear necklace, not army issue, as far as we know. I'm just, I'm guessing. Uh, but yeah, the battle does not go well, and Sarge is, uh, Sarge is not doing well. Mm-mm. No, Sarge has some issues. He's struggling a bit. 
And we don't really get too much of a backstory as to why he's struggling. We just know, and, and I mean, think you get a general sense of if you're going to depict a war in which people are struggling psychologically, it's going to be Vietnam. Right. So, And I think they had to choose that because they wanted that separation of time, too. Right. Right. From when they from when they die to when they get reanimated later on. Yeah. Yeah. Before we get too much further on, on some of the other moments in this movie, was that so I'm going to ask you guys this question. Was that too much of a time jump from Vietnam 1969 to whenever the present day is supposed to be? I'm assuming it's supposed to be at least 1992, if not slightly into the future. Was that too much of a time jump? Because part of me, as I'm watching through this movie, I'm like, so wait, you're telling me that you kept this government project, like somebody was planning this project as far back as 1969. You kept these bodies on ice for, let's say, 25 years, and nobody knew about this project, and it's just now coming to fruition. And I, that was one of the – I know that there are other things that can stretch credulity in this movie, but that was one of the things watching it this time. I was like, that seems like a long time. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I felt the same way, like, oh, 20 years, but then – Bo, I'm sorry. Did I cut across you? Were you going to finish it? No, lot? you're fine. You're fine. Okay, all I was going to say was then I realized that given the age of this movie – it wasn't that far away from the Vietnam war. Right. right. Yeah. So that was kind of what it, it did. It was, it hit me like, boy, that seems like a long time. But then it was like, Oh, but from when this movie came out, it really wasn't that long. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Especially, I don't know. It just seemed, it seemed like a bit of a stretch and I'm sure they probably didn't want to, the, the Gulf war was, right around this exact same time, but I'm sure they probably that might have been too close for them wanting to make any commentary about the Gulf War. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And like, how long did it take them to make this movie, right? Like, it's easy to make a joke and say, oh, but whatever, however many long, but I, I want to say the Gulf War, well, the Gulf War kicked off in 91, right? Mm-hmm. So it, I always get turned around. Would a movie take... Would a movie like this take less than a year to make? Actually, Gulf War was ninety to it was August of ninety to February of ninety one. February of ninety one. Okay. I, so most likely, the Gulf War was over by the time they had started this movie. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Well, and I guess, I guess you would have the his parents. I guess would have been maybe a little bit younger if, well, no, that doesn't make sense either. Cause his parents, his parents are older when you get to the end of the movie, but they don't seem like very, very old. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That was just something it just, that, that kind of hit me this time as I was watching and I was like, not that I've ever analyzed this movie that deeply, but as I was watching it this time, I was like, I don't know. That just seems like a long time to keep this government project under, like, under wraps. Right. But maybe not. Well, I think that's a, it's a it's a personal deal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, next moment is the Hoover Dam hostages. So when we see what actually happens, we know that these characters have died at the in the scene in the Vietnam War, and then we come back to present day which we'll assume is sometime in the 90s. 
and mm-hmm. we have this hostage situation at the Hoover Dam, and the Unisols are being brought in, and we do notice that our two dead guys from 1969 are alive and well in the modern day, and they don't look to have aged at all. So whatever skin regimen they're also using, along with the Unisol program, is working out very well for them. That, I believe, is Army issue. Yes. Yes, or at least it would be according to, what was the what was the name of the one voice that uh, Robin Williams would do in Good Morning Vietnam, Mr. Leo? Yeah. Mr. Leo, we're, we're wearing black. It's, you can fight in the jungle in it at night, put on some pearls, and you're ready for formal wear. Yes. That's right. So, so whatever they're doing to keep their skin nice and, and looking young and revitalized, they're doing a very nice job. But they show mm-hmm. up, and they are ready to take down the ho- these hostages at the Hoover Dam. They make a comment, so we kind of get an idea of some of their abilities. What was it they, they said something like, they swam, what was it, four miles in eight minutes or something? Yeah, something crazy like that. You're like, wow, okay, yeah. He's gotcha. like they, they swam like four miles in eight minutes, and the guy's like, they're eight seconds behind schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, they swam a mile and a half in four minutes. And then uh, Colonel Perry says they're eight seconds behind schedule. So we, we get the idea that these guys are enhanced just a bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. And that's kind of a fun scene when they go through the whole Hoover Dams thing and we see kind of what they're capable of and uh, going through and taking out the hostages. That was kind of a fun introduction to the Unisols. Right. Right. Good times. <laughs> So in the midst of the hostage situation, everything going on, we we get the kind of the the side story of this newspaper reporter, or news reporter, TV news reporter, and she's she doesn't quite get along with her producer that's there, and uh, she simultaneously does the news report and then gets fired, but then begins to dig in a little bit to what is going on here and what these soldiers are and wants to try to find out some more, and so she uh, she involves herself. And uh, she she gets fully involved in finding out that things are not quite not quite above board with whatever's going on here, and, and kind of discovers that something's not quite right about these soldiers, and that's where a boy ain't right. Yeah, that boy ain't right, and that's where she gets matched up with Jean Claude Van Damme's character with Luke, who we can see is glitching just a little bit, and uh, is is having some flashbacks to Vietnam and is not quite following his programming the way he should. Mm-hmm. So then he goes to kind of protect and defend her. Uh, they manage to escape. One of the next major scenes, they get to the motel. We've got some funny scenes with him playing the kind of fish out of water, not knowing how, not knowing how phones work, not knowing how all kinds of things work, and her just trying to kind of understand what is going on with this guy. He's being so weird. We get, we start to get kind of some of the rules of the Unisols. We have gremlin rules for the Unisols, like he cannot get overheated. So yep. we, we learn yep. that that is one of the limitations of these guys. So every every soldier's got to have the weakness. So overheating, so hot weather is his kryptonite, basically. Yeah, although as the movie goes, that importance of cooling down kind of lessens. Yeah, yeah it sort of disappears time. for a little while, and then it comes mm. back, and then... Play a little fast and loose with it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and who cares? <laughs> so I mean, ba- really, like with this movie, it's like, okay, that's terrible, but let's just let's just go have a gunfight. So basically, the Unisols are like your iPhone. It gets a little overheated, and then it pops up that screen that says needs to cool down before you can turn it back on again. And and so it's uh, 
He's got to go into the the bathtub of ice to get himself all <laughs> cooled down. Uh, he has to strip down naked, which there's several funny parts where there's there's a lot of naked stripping down here. Well, it's Jean Claude Van Damme, so right. you know and it's it's very Terminator esque. We've got to have yeah. There's another question, I guess, is what is it with the what is it with the naked half human half robotic whatever guys? It's like in every movie. Well, in Terminator, it was because nothing dead will go through the time warp. So it's time travel, you know. Yeah, so that's it's a, that's a legit that's science, man. That's science. The Unisols just that's science. The Unisols just don't like clothes. No, they just yeah because yeah they overheat. Yeah. <sighs> all right, so undead reanimated soldiers, all part of a naturalist colony. Exactly. Sure. Okay. All right. I'm just trying to make sure I fully understand the movie. As many times as I've seen it, I'm, I'm really just trying to make sure I, I understand what's going on here with the story. Yes. Because that part <laughs> I did not understand as a fifth grader when I first saw it. Right. I think, I think we can, I can excuse that. Yes. Yes, that, that one kind of went right over my head. We get a few more details from Dr. Greger as they visit uh, Mr. Jerry Orbach is Dr. Greger. They visit him. They get some more details on this program and kind of what was going on with them. At this point, Sarge has also gone a little insane and broken his programming and then decides he's going to take over after he killed some of the doctors and, and the colonel. We get a we get a really fun scene with giant syringe going in the back of some guy's head and killing him. Oh, jeez, yeah. Because that's always fun. Because when you love needles as much as I do, those are your favorite kind of scenes to watch. <laughs> That's the best. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Does it give you the willies? I can. There's other stuff where I can handle some of the body horror in other movies and things like that. And I, but I can't if if something is going for somebody's eye or if something involves a needle. That's where I start to get the heebie-jeebies a little bit. All right. So all right. I'm not uh, not not a needle fan. Yeah. So. So once they leave Dr. Gregor's, that's when they that's when Veronica and Luke get arrested and they end up on the police bus, which then ends up getting attacked by Sarge and mm -hmm. they end up having the battle on the bus. And then the bus ends up going over the cliff. Boom, explosion. Everybody's dead. The end. Or you think. And then all of a sudden we are back at the family farm and that's where kind of the final battle occurs, where we think that... Mom and dad, uh, mom and dad are in danger on the family farm. We think that the reporter gets blown up by a grenade, but we find out later on that she was she wasn't dead yet. She's feeling much better now. Dead yet? No. She, if she goes for a walk, she'll be fine. And then we have the the final battle there, and with a nice little jolt of adrenaline, Luke ends up finishing off the Sarge, and Sarge finally gets the point. All right. So, so that that is the plot of the movie are there any other major moments in the movie that we wanted to kind of talk through hmm. did you have before we get into kind of our commentary on the movie and our thoughts on the movie did you have any other whether was there like a favorite scene was there a favorite scene was there a favorite there's a, they made an attempt at doing some like i'm going to call them schwarzenegger-esque one-liners in this movie did you have a favorite line did you have a favorite scene in this movie I enjoy the scene where he's at the diner, like eating all the food. That one's good. Yeah, that was fun. And then That's he gets call. then he gets into a fight, and it's kind of like a it's a little bit like a Terminator Two pool hall fight, but not quite the same. Yeah, 
It's in the down home country diner. Yep. And the one guy's ready to throw down because, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't have any money. Yeah. And I, I give that guy a lot of credit. He was, he thought he had that fight. If he thought he was going to win that fight for a ridiculous amount of time. Like I think, I think a person in real life would back away from some dude, even if he's eating all the food and can't pay, I think he would have mm-hmm. backed away a lot sooner, but that guy hung in there, man. He hung in there to get his boat. Yeah, more power so, to him. Yeah. Yeah. Good. 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 Brave bravery. So certainly one way to uh, look at it. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> what was the movie we, I'm, I'm blanking. I'm totally blanking on it. What was the movie that we watched not that long ago? And it was like, the guy was going to, you were going to get into a fight and the guy was like, well, but do you, Oh no, it's uh, it was my cousin Vinny. Oh yeah. It was, I'm going to beat you up. Well, do you have the money? Well, no, not like with me. Well, I mean, you go get it, and then we'll come back and we'll finish this. Well, but I don't have it. With, well, okay, well, then as soon as you go get it, you come back, and we're going to finish this thing. It's kind of like you're totally convinced I'm going to win this fight, and no, it does not go your way. <laughs> Battle does not go well, Enterprise. No. Right. No. All right, well, I think mine's the diner. I'm going to go with that one. Hmm. Yeah, I. Uh, it's it's so hard to pick one. I think, and it's horrible, and it's it's total low hanging fruit humor. But I'm going to say it anyway. The scene where they're looking for the tracking device. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is is that how that's? Is, yes. Yes. Is, is that normal? Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, that's normal. That's. <laughs> Okay, so here's while while remaining family friendly, I'm going to ask a question. When you die and are reanimated, you clearly mm-hmm. have enough knowledge retained of like how to drive a car or, you know, how to do certain other things. You don't retain knowledge of what's attached to your own body? Right, that was yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could say they trained them how to drive but it does seem like an odd uh, choice doesn't it granted you're not going to have a scene in the movie where he's staring at his own hands going like "Ooh, what are these things right true i have i guess that would have been i have fist sausages look at those (laughs) fist (laughs) sausages all righty then it's like a bad you know 80s punk band Mm mm-hmm Fist sausages. Fist sausages. Fist sausages. Mm-hmm. And now, fist sausages. There you go. Hello, Detroit. <laughs> we are fist sausages. Dude, we're in Ohio. <laughs> All right. Well, I feel like over the years, we've come up with a lot of different band names that if we ever gained any musical or singing talent that we could start, so... Cool. All right. I will put fist sausages in the in the binder just in case we ever want to do that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Put it in the pool. So, they make some attempts, and this is gonna kinda kinda go more into some of our like commentary and, and thoughts on this, but they make some attempts at being a Terminator and so you get some you get some scenes that are very Terminator esque in the movie. And like some of them like 
having a motel scene, very much, like very much, there's there's several different scenes that seem like they'd be lifted directly from Terminator or Terminator 2. Yeah, almost too much. Yeah. <laughs> we needed a helicopter chase and a motorcycle chase with a truck, and we'd probably have the whole picture complete. Right. 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 Yeah, it definitely felt like playing to working towards a mold, working towards a template. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They kind of put their own wrinkle on it, but it it very much had the. So you're saying Terminator Two, and I also felt like the whole RoboCop thing too. Yeah. You know. Yeah, a little bit of him like not knowing who he is or what he is, and is yeah. he human? Is he not human? Is yeah. All right, I I think it's time to dig a little deeper here. And now, deep thoughts. It's your shovels. All right, deep thoughts, gentlemen. Did you enjoy this movie? I did, in a popcorn kind of way. Yes. Yeah. It, it, It... It's an action movie. Kick back and enjoy the butt kicking and martial arts and you'll enjoy it. It's that simple. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. I enjoyed it. Same reasons Bo's mentioning. It you either gotta have fun with the movie or just be like, Yeah, forget it, not my thing. Because otherwise it's such a I think that's the way it, the, the thing kind of works. It's, it, it demands that you love it or it demands that you just walk away, dislike it, hate it, whatever, because it's just such a low budget might seem a little bit harsh, but it's kind of like B movie action movie. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think like any B movies, if you like the genre, then it's going to be fun, but you got to put up with like, dialogue plot and all those things that maybe aren't best picture Oscar worthy. If I may. Yeah. I have this movie for me. Yes. I, I enjoy this movie and I will, I fully recognize that it's, it has so many very stupid moments and that in a lot of ways it is not, it, it's, it's not superior to a Terminator two or a RoboCop or anything like that. But it's just, it's one of those movies that when I kind of look at the 90s as a whole, I I think of things like the movies that I know that are not critically acclaimed amazing movies that people are going to remember for their high quality and things like that. I mean, this, this gets lumped in there with me, for me, with like Demolition Man and Speed and... Universal Soldier and Terminator and RoboCop and Hard Boiled and pick some of the other. What was the other Van Damme movie later? The Sudden Death. Later, ah. I mean, uh, The Crow. Like I have, I have memories of this set of movies that I watched in those formative years of being a middle school slash high school kid in the early to mid nineties of like. I don't know if these movies are good. I just know I really liked them. And at that point in my life, I didn't really care. Like somebody could have come along and said, hey, Universal Soldier, that's a terrible movie. I would have been like, you know what? You shut up. (laughs) I don't care. 
And maybe I should be more that way with the movies that I like. Because I, yeah, like, I, I, I feel like sometimes, and, and of course we have a movie podcast, so we do this all the time anyway, but I feel like so many times people are like, well, that's not a good movie because of this, this, and this. I'm like, you know what? I, shut up. I like it. Agreed. It's not like it's point break or anything. <laughs> but yes, I, I do. Hey, I Utah, think I have. Give me two. Give me two. I think I have an, an unreasonable enjoyment with this movie. Saw it so many times. And it just, it's just, it's just so much fun. It's so much fun. It's not a great movie, but it's so much fun. And Dolph Lundgren, I can't decide if Dolph Lundgren is a terrible villain in this movie or if he's a good villain that's just very crazy. I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think, does Dolph Lundgren make a good villain in this movie? He's got the look of a villain, so I think he can play it without too much effort. But they don't give his character... And I'm not saying the movie should have been longer, but you pointed it out early on. They don't give us enough about him. So we don't know what tipped him over the scales. And and because we don't know that, why do we care? Right. And I feel, I I feel that way about both of these guys. Like I needed more, I guess for just like a blow them up action movie, you get enough to know that, well, this one guy snapped and went crazy and he's the bad guy. And this one guy was good and tried to help defend the villagers. And so he's the good guy. And then they both get shot and killed. Right. And that's, I guess, all we really need to know for the rest of this movie to progress. But yeah, like you're saying, I'm like, if you really, because I, I really don't care. Like, I don't care about, what was his name? Andrew Scott, Michael Scott. I really don't care there about, I really don't care about Michael Scott. And later after he drops out of the, after he dies again and has to drop out of the Unisol program, he becomes a manager at a paper company in Scranton. And I, I don't care about his character. I don't really care about Luke's character. I don't really care about his parents who, as Pat pointed out, are probably being the actors themselves are probably being held against their will to be in this movie. I, I don't care about them. And I think knowing that this movie is kind of like a B movie action, blow them up, brainless popcorn flick kind of a deal. I think it could have taken a step towards being something a little bit more if it, if it had given me a little bit more of that in the beginning sure. to help me care about the characters. It's the reason why, and I know some people look at, and I feel like when back when we did this, I, I might have commented on this, the more I watch RoboCop, the more I think that that's an amazing movie and that it's not just a blow em up 80s action movie. I really think there's a lot more to RoboCop than people give it credit for. And I think part of that, too, and especially the character of RoboCop, is I care about him because I've seen him before he becomes RoboCop. I know he's got a family. I know what kind of person he is. I don't know that about Luke, and I don't know that about Michael Scott. Andrew Scott. What? That's what she said. So, and that's kind of it. And we end the movie with the, the bad Unisols are dead and the good Unisol is fine. And he's, he's alive now. And, and the rest of them are, they're dead, Jim. 
And I guess we're just going to continue on from there. Have you guys seen any of the other movies? I know that there were some like direct-to-video versions and there were some other sequels and TV movies. And I have not. I am so intrigued. Like, you don't leave this movie thinking, sequel. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I am I am very intrigued by that concept. I appreciate that you said sequel the way the Martians do say station in uh Bill and Ted's bogus journey. <laughs> sequel. Sequel. <laughs> sequel. Yeah, no, I haven't seen any of the other ones. Exactly. Like it's a little bit like Do I want to equate this to Highlander? It's a, maybe a little <laughs> bit like Highlander. It's like Do I want to see the sequels? Not really. Maybe. <laughs> Wasn't there a TV show? Yeah, there's a TV show. Do I want to see the TV show? I don't know if I want to see the TV show. Why don't I just go back and watch the original movie? Okay, I'll go back and watch the original movie. I, but see, and see, that's what I get into is I think, am I going to answer my own question here too? Dolph Lundgren, I don't think he's a good villain in this movie. I, we needed more about him for mm. him to be a good villain because just now when I make the comment and comparison, like it's kind of like Highlander. I didn't really want to go see the sequels. I think of that as like, all right, well, if I compare Dolph Lundgren's Michael Scott, Jim and Pam character to the Kurgan, I'm like, Oh, that's not even, you can't even make that comparison because he's such an amazing villain in that movie. Dolph Lundgren just doesn't do it for me. Right. So. All right. Any other deep thoughts we have about this one? We've expended all of our deep thoughts. We've overheated on our deep thoughts. I don't know about overheated, but. Okay. Uh... <laughs> all right. Well, we've overheated on our deep thoughts. And while we go into the three questions here, we're going to uh, strip naked and get into a pool of ice. And uh, we'll be back in just a second after the three questions music. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response, were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought? Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God may have mercy, God on, have your mercy on your soul. Yes. May God have mercy on your soul. That's the benefit of having had a cold, is I, I get that voice. Where I Mr. Can, radio voice. I, yeah, I can do the in a world. I can do that kind of stuff, and it doesn't take any extra effort. We've been watching. I think I texted you, John, about this. We've been watching uh, Factor Fiction. Yes. Because Donna had never seen it. Yes. And so the first few see the first season is actually James Brolin instead of Jonathan Frakes, which I did not know. Oh yeah. But the voiceover is Don LaFontaine. Yes, it is. Yeah. And there are a couple episodes where he even says, and this is Don LaFontaine. Yeah. And it's so funny because you're just, oh boy. <laughs> they sp they spared uh, no expense making this uh, yeah. interesting version of television. I would love to have heard Don LaFontaine's like, voicemail message. 
How about it? Yeah. You've reached John LaFontaine. You, you've reached the LaFontaine les- residence. Leave me a message. At the sound of the tone. Or duh. In a world. In a world where Don LaFontaine is not home. <laughs> there you go. Yes. In a world where we're not at home right now. One person will leave a message after the tone. I love it. All right. Question number one. A little philosophical question here. If this technology actually existed and people had the option to donate their body to the military upon their death, should a program like the Universal Soldier exist? No. No. Why not? It is way too easy for something like this to get out of control. I just don't think it's a good idea. Yeah. Is it the is it the impersonal nature of like because I know we, and we talked a little bit about this when we talked about Patriot Games. We talked about like the whole drone thing and the impersonal nature of a drone strike versus, you know, when they're watching that whole thing on, on the TV screens and it's not real people, but you can kind of see the like the infrared of the people moving around. Is it the impersonal nature of it if it were a reanimated corpse fighting your battles for you or is it just... No, it's creepy. I'm kind of in the no, it's creepy category. And I just think there's this movie shows a great example of it's hard to do a psych evaluation on a corpse. And there's just way too much potential for it to go wrong. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe I'm being simplistic. There certainly is obviously the. I can see the reason for thinking this would be a good idea. Yeah. But no. Yeah. Yeah, I could I could see people being like, well, it spares, like, the, the people that we're using are, they volunteered. They're already dead. So it's not like, it's not like other people are dying to fight battles for us or to fight wars. But yeah, I don't know. I, something about it, it just seems, it seems a little too, I don't, you don't want people to die. Like, you don't want people to die in war. But at the same time, something about this seems a little too cold and impersonal. And I, w- I want to say this without sounding like a terrible human being. You almost need there to be a human cost to war. Otherwise, we'd do it all the time, I feel like. so I can see that. Not that you want people to die, but the fact that it is actual human lives being expended in war, I feel like maybe keeps us from escalating war or keeps us from keeps war from being worse than it could be. I don't know. I could see that. That was that was kind of my thought behind it. Was I would say no because of that because I I feel like war as un, as as much as I don't want war to be necessary, it feels like it needs a human component to keep it in check. 
I agree with I agree with everything that you guys are saying, and I think it's all those things that should be taken into consideration. My answer also would be no, and I I think one if we're creating a true army of the undead, then we're kind of doing the playing God. We're kind of getting into Dr. Frankenstein, the reanimation of life mm-hmm. from dead tissue. So you're playing God. Then on the flip side, if it's like, okay, well, these people donated to their bodies. Well, if they're not like all the way dead, it just kind of partially dead. Then we're creating like basically living slaves to go fight our wars for us. And that's like, okay, that moves us into a different category of uh, a, a different category of ethical problems. So either way, you're kind. Of, it's kind of like not good. And well, if they're if I, they're not all the way dead, there's only one thing you can do. Right. Go through their right. pockets and look for loose change. Exactly. And then, so I guess I guess those would be my two things. There's really only it's like a binary decision, right? They're either all the way dead, and you're playing God and creating, trying to create. Or they're not all the way dead and you're creating, which is kind of what you see in this movie. And you kind of have this, like these slaves that are, you know, they're still living. They still have some semblance of their intelligence there, but on their mind there, but they're being forced to go into combat and all that. And I guess the question would be, what role would this fulfill? Like, is there a need in any sort of engagement or battlefield or whatever for this kind of a weapon system or this kind of a force. And that would be my first question is before we decide, well, should we do it or shouldn't we do it? Like, where does the need arise? You know what I'm saying? And so I get, I get the parallels that are to like drone strikes and all that, but I don't know that just to me kind of, that seems, that just seems to be kind of different. Right. Mm-hmm. Because the drones, like a drone strike or something, or uh, we say Patriot Games, but Patriot Games, still, you had real human, that that thing that you were watching through the satellite, yeah. it wasn't like those were robots, right? Those were like real human beings. It was just that the analysts right, was, were watching yeah, it was just from the, another. They were detached from it. Yeah, they, it was just that they were detached from it. But I don't know, this is, this is different and so that's i guess what i would say is okay where is the need for this yeah for this kind of a soldier other than in like a fantasy movie for us to watch at a sleepover when it's 11 30 at night and we've already watched army of darkness and played a couple rounds of street fighter 2 turbo right like there you have a need for it but in reality where do you have a need for this and then it gets into the two the two questions depending on what they are so i would say no, because I just wouldn't see the need. And I think both of those two questions are pretty chilling when you follow them down. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Question number two, who would win in a fight? Robocop, the Terminator, or a Unisol? Which Terminator? I'm going to go the the Arnold Schwarzenegger T-800. Okay. Yeah, because honestly, if it was any other of the Terminators, like it yeah, wouldn't if, even be. If it was a T one thousand, then yeah, that's yeah. Ooh. I'll jump in. I'll say Terminator. Okay. That was that was that was my gut reaction and my after I thought about it for three weeks reaction. Okay. I am trying to decide between the Terminator and RoboCop. 
let's be honest. Let, before, but I'm sorry, Bo, I interrupted No, no, you. go ahead. I was just going to say, let's be completely honest here. Is this the first time you considered this question? Or have we been considering this question since we were 12 years old and these, we saw these movies for the first time? Yes. <laughs> right. Okay. I'm, I'm just ma- I'm just making sure we're all on the same page with that. Oh yeah. This is this, this is, is this the is classic. Like, this is like way before anybody did a comic book of Alien versus Predator. We were right. we were trying to decide Alien right. versus Predator who would win. And yes. I, I will say I've cheated a bit and I have read the RoboCop versus Terminator comic yes, book. Yes, you have. Which is very very good. I love that comic book. So yes, I'm going to reserve is. my answer to the end, but. Unfortunately for the Unisol, I, I don't think the Unisol even factors into it. I would agree with that statement. I don't think that's a thing. But, Bo, I interrupted you, man. Were you going to finish your thought? or? Oh, probably eventually when I get around to it. I'm thinking I think I have to go Terminator. I mm-hmm. I want RoboCop to, to do it, but I don't think that's a thing. The my answer my answer is RoboCop, but it's kind of based mm. off of the RoboCop versus Terminator comic, right? Right. And I think that the I think that the RoboCop in the comic book was a little stronger and a little more agile than the RoboCop that we see in the movie. I mm-hmm. believe he was a RoboCop that had also been a, been around for a little while, so it was not like the brand new RoboCop getting his getting his. Detroit sea legs underneath him. So in my mind, RoboCop beats out the Terminator, but that's that's based on the comic book and the old Sega Genesis video game. Gotcha. Forgot about that. Yeah. Because that was some good stuff, too. Oh, yeah. All right. And and for this last question, question three, I'm I'm shying away from body part jewelry, but if you could own any famous piece of jewelry, real or fictional... What would it be? And and I will admit I struggled with this one for a while. So I have an odd fascination Uh-oh. with signet rings. Okay. So I did a little did a little dive into those. I really like the ones from Dune, both nineteen eighty four and more recent. The Atreides signet ring is quite cool. And then there's a cool one in Kingsman also. Okay. I'm sorry, Kingsman, Kingsman. the newest one. The whole, there's there's something classic to that wax or clay seal. And yeah, mm. put your ring in there as your signature. And maybe it's a little passive aggressive of me because my handwriting is terrible. So being able to sign something with... With a stamp sounds like a beautiful idea to me. That's what I got. Hmm. Good choice. Patrick, what do you got? So is it too much of a stretch to say like for jewelry and I'm going to go later Avengers movie spoilers. Mm -hmm. So anybody that is not caught up with MCU Okay, you've been forewarned. Is it too much of a stretch to say the little energy thing that Tony Stark has that he hangs on his clothes like by Endgame and Infinity War that contains his suit, but it's like it's not like his little generator because remember he got the surgical procedure and that was removed. Right. So yeah. he just kind of hangs that piece there almost like a piece of jewelry. 
does that count or am I stretching the rule too much? No, I think that's fine. I'm going with that, man. Okay. Because that'd be awesome. Just have an Iron Man suit. That'd be wicked awesome. Okay. All right. I think my daughter chose the time turner for this one. Oh, good choice. I think that was hers when I asked her about it. I struggled with this one a bit because because part of me is like, well, Green Lantern ring. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You can like do whatever you want with it. The other one that I I always wanted to try to find a replica of this that was not unreasonably priced. The ring that I always thought looked kind of cool from the comic books was the Legion of Superheroes had the Legion flight ring. And back when, back in the comic books, I think it was when Superboy, was it when Superboy first like way back in the old comic books, Superboy went to the future and he would hang out with the Legion of Superheroes and he couldn't fly yet. So they gave him one of their Legion rings and that gave him the ability to fly while he was having adventures with them in the future. And I always thought that ring looked kind of cool. So I kind of went back and forth on a couple of different famous pieces of jewelry there. I the one it's I'm going to go with the one that fascinated me as a kid and I think just to have even just to have a replica of this if it was the real thing then yes, that would be totally awesome. I'm going to go with the Orin pendant from uh, Never Ending Story. Oh, good one. That one that is like the the snakes that are like eating each other's tails and they're intertwined with each other. and Very cool. Yeah, I'm yes. going to go with that one. The one that's on the cover of the book, but it's mm-hmm. also the, the pendant that Atreyu wears. Yeah. Awesome choice. I awesome. Always, I always thought that was cool as a kid, so I, I would go with that one. That's awesome. And and Pat, the bullies do get eaten at the end. The bull yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they do. Yeah, luck dragons That's eat, right, man. eat the bullies. Luck of dragons hungry, man. Mm-hmm. Feed me. Mm-hmm. All right. I think that's gonna do it for Universal Soldier. Do we think that we've universally answered all the questions that need to be answered? I think so. Okay. Fun movie. Just it is go a fun watch movie. it. D- don't think too hard. Just enjoy the ride. The, it's it's the strangest entry in the Universal Monsters movies. I'm just curious. It was really when weird ha- when Abbott and Costello met Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> I just have to say, when they hid in the room with that other couple down in the covers, uh-huh. that was just humorous on levels like heretofore not really even thought of. I'm just, when they popped out of the cover, I'm just like, yeah, that, so that's just weird. That's just awkward. Yeah. I, I, that was awesome. It, it reminded me of Tombstone. No, yeah. Nobody move. No. <laughs> By all means, move. Move. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Fun movie. All right. Well, we are the 30-something movie podcast, which you can find at 30podcast.com. All of our past episodes are there, so go check them out. There's also a spot there where you can join us as a co-executive producer via Patreon if you feel so inclined to do that as well. There's bonus episodes on there if you want to do that as well as some other. Let's see what else we got coming up here for the rest of the next couple of months. We've got the month of May is going to be our kind of musicals and animation month. We've got Newsies, Noises Off, Aladdin, and Cool World. And then we've got Singing in the Rain will be our Patreon episode then. June, we've got The Man Show, so every single one of our movies ends with, or doesn't end with, but has the word man in it somewhere. We've got The Distinguished Gentleman, Encino Man, Memoirs of an Invisible Man, Lawnmower Man, and Candyman. 
And then if you are looking way ahead and you want to even get into July, July is our salute to animals where the movies have something to do with animals or have animals in the title. That will be Batman Returns, Reservoir Dogs, The Mighty Ducks, Beethoven, and our Patreon that month will be the Razzies of 1999. I believe those are Shining Through, The Bodyguard, Christopher Columbus, The Discovery, Final Analysis, and Newsies. So we have got a lot of good stuff coming up over the next couple of months or so. So if you want to get ahead, watch some of those movies to kind of keep up with us, feel free to go check those out, and we will we will be happy to have you along for the ride with us. And then you can leave us a voicemail, too, if you want to. Head over to our website. There's a little spot to leave a voicemail there if you want to have your voicemail read out and responded to on the show. Otherwise, thank you, Pat. Thank you, Bo, for being here as usual. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Thank you, Bo. All right, everybody, be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies, and we will see you back here next time.